Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first 2019 or 2019 episode of Vodka O'Clock Podcast. And you can, uh, you know, I've missed you guys. I've missed recording shows. If you've missed uh, my work in any way, you can go to patreon.com slash Amber Unmasked because uh, there are still, there's still plenty of content, even if it's not always a podcast. Weekly content is up. It's about the cats. And I know that's ridiculous and it might seem like a silly thing to pay for, but for, you know, a whole dollar a month, you can get um, early access to the cat's stories. And then um, you also get some news and insights into the writing process before anybody else and announcements about my books as they come out. So um, so go check out the Patreon. And otherwise, everything does come out eventually at amberunmasked.com. And you can um, also, you know, follow me on all the social medias and whatnot. So um, that's uh, that's pretty much where we're picking up for the new year. And today we're going to talk about writing and creating and, you know, if we have any intentions for the year. So joining me today for the first time is Brendar, and we are just going to delight you with all of the things that we have loved for the past <laughs> the past year. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. So we we met at a wonderful little like mini comic con at the Burlington County Library. <laughs> and that library to me is amazing because um I live in the kind of town where our post office is a trailer. And we don't actually have a library. We have a county library. So, yeah. So when I went down to Burlington, and I realize it's a county library, but it's a huge library system. Yeah, uh, it was a gorgeous library. And I was surprised with the the outcome and all the interesting people that were there that I've met. And I was glad to have met you. So (laughs) it's great going to cons. Yeah. So they've been doing this fandom fest in the summer. And... It's a one-day event, I think. Well, I mean, I think they do things kind of like all week long. They do okay. they do little things. But then they have like this mini Comic-Con and they schedule like treasure hunts or, or things. They they always do like a Pokemon. Uh, and then they have the costume parade and they have some comic book creators and cosplayers. So it's just like this really unique experience to see all of this going on in a library. Yeah. For me, I think it is. Anyway. Yeah. I I think it really expanded because, like, um, the first one that I that I attended was like uh, Wizard World in Philadelphia, and mm-hmm. then like I started and I go with my husband to these cons, and all of a sudden, like Rutgers had one their first time going to that, and then libraries started doing that, and it just kept going, and there's just more cons popping up everywhere (laughs) it's so true we try to like go to as many of them as possible yeah that's what I was doing and then I kind of just got so burned out um because it's it's so expensive to have to you know travel if you're going some oops if you're going someplace that's not close by like I've I gave up on New York (laughs) yeah I didn't Um, go that far <laughs> yeah. Um I was going to New York every year and as it grew and grew and grew um I just felt like, you know, everybody that was covering it as press 
they were already getting the big scoops. Like at the time when I had started, there were so few of us and there was a podcast alley and there was, you know, it it was just a different time. And now it's grown so much that you can barely walk around and you really, it's hard to enjoy sometimes. Yeah. And like, I feel like um, attending them is really fun. And then, but being like a part of it, it's like a whole different experience. It is very yeah. different. <laughs> it's very different. And it's so interesting because I love when creators take the time to, to make that switch where they'll, they're actually going to go to a con and not have a table because otherwise you're at the table, especially, I mean, this is mainly for artists because writers, we don't really get much to do except for talking to people and say, Hey, buy my books. Um, but for the artists, they're taking commissions and so they start a, a pre-show list so that you can get on the list early. And then they're working for 10 hours at their table mm -hmm. and some of them take their stuff and have to finish it in the hotel room at night. It's just monstrous. So yeah, it's like you're paying I, to, sometimes you're paying to be a part of a con and then you're like yes. hoping and praying that you're, you'll at least break even. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> It is hard. And, and some of those bigger shows, like the table fee is just so much more. Mm. Um, you know, I like the the smaller shows. Like here, um, you know, in New Jersey, we have, like we mentioned, Rutgers has something now. And uh, there are these little library shows popping up. And Garden State Comic Fest has several different locations. So there's usually going to be a show at some point in the year where people can attend. And then if you like even smaller, more intimate things, the comic shops do their own thing too, like free comic yes. book day. Yes. So done that. <laughs> yeah, you've done that free comic book day is, is so much fun and, and it's really different from shop to shop. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, and so that's how we met and the whole convention experience. So it was actually interesting that you didn't meet me in a costume, which is what a lot of people end up doing. Yeah, I'm I'm really bad at that because I'm not I, I did a little bit of cosplaying but I'm not having met other cosplayers I just felt like okay um there's much more passionate people cosplaying oh it's so true yeah it's and, so like, true. and it's like and if I want to be super creative and really cosplay it's kind of hard because it's like I'm also helping my husband prep for all of these events and it's like a lot to do all at once uh I think there was like one time where we that's the only thing we did was like attend a con and got dressed up and not focus on like the booth like, yeah you know so that was that was fun but then if you're like you know if you're cosplaying and you're trying to focus on like selling your stuff and getting the word out there it's really different and and I guess like I I know some people like love getting attention. When, when well, that is and that's part of dressing awesome. up. Yes, and that's part of it. But I was like, mm, I don't like being stopped all the time. I liked being stopped by children. Aww, <laughs> because they're much more. I don't know. They're they're a lot more excited and and fun about it. And I don't know. I just I'm just weird. I guess like I I I'm just like I like being in the background and being a ghost and just. 
people watch. No, that's not weird. That is not weird at all because, you know, you have your spotlight people and your behind the scenes people, just like the photographers. I mean, if if you try to take a picture of a photographer in action, they'll be like, oh God, no. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, "Mm, no, I don't want to do this. I'm busy trying to work this booth and all that stuff. Like, don't. (laughs) just leave me alone you you know I feel like it takes the focus away from you know the real reason of why I'm there but it's like at the same time you should have fun with what you're doing and all that but I just like I like just if I'm gonna like cons it's just like looking around and looking at things and touching things and watching other people and I, I don't know that's what I enjoy doing and shopping. Sometimes there's shopping, really, really yeah. good shopping. Yeah. I will throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm just focusing on, you know, if I should buy this item or not for like, you know, $20. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a show up in North Jersey that was um, Heroes and Villains. And so it's basically only celebrities and vendors. So it's not so much about the comic book people because it's created by uh all the like a lot of the guys from the CW shows the actors Mm -hmm. so it's just like rows and rows of actors and then um really cool geeky vendors so I was just like I wanted to you know buy one of everything of course because it's like oh you have this purse that I don't need with the Hulk on it but I want it and you know (laughs) oh oh, yeah definitely like you know, try to be prepared to spend spend money on things that you absolutely do not need for yeah. any reason. Don't have any idea of where to put them. <laughs> yeah, totally. Unless it's art. I will, you know, I, I try to keep I have the tiny, tiniest little sketchbook. It's like a five inch sketchbook. And when I actually remember to bring it along, then um, I'll be lucky if I get like one little sketch per show. Um, I think the last time went to a con oh it was for my birthday it was in march it was in wizard world i got to meet jason momoa aquaman nice and it was like the best present ever (laughs) that is so cool we just went to see it um last weekend Uh, it was fun so much fun it was so much fun yeah like i enjoyed the movie like a lot I had some questions about it, but <laughs> it was yeah, fun. I'm not. A, I'm far from an Aquaman <laughs> expert, um, but it was definitely fun. And then, and before that, though, we saw the animated Spider Verse. We did which, too. Oh, it was amazing. It was really. I was not expecting it to be that amazing, and like, I actually cried. It was so trippy, though. That artwork was so different it was really good like I was I just did not expect for it to be that great and the music was great the music was amazing yeah it fit fit so well yeah the music the story everything it was just awesome like a lot of unexpected things at least for me because I was I mean I don't know much about like multiverses but (laughs) right I I only read like I didn't read those those spider books I and this is like going way back I only read amazing spider-man um, so it was only like the one version and I knew about the others mainly I started learning about these other characters by seeing other people cosplaying and seeing them dress up and I'd be like oh well, who's that and you know and uh you know the spider-man with the pouches or the <laughs> the, the one with the bag over his head it's just like you know you start learning silly things oh yeah I loved it I had no idea there were so many different 
played in it. <laughs> yeah, and the little pig, <laughs> Peter Porker. What, what is it, Spider Pig? <laughs> P- Peter Porker, yeah. Porker. Uh, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But I really like the the noir. I did too. Oh, yes. Hilarious. And you know, I can remember when that came out. I was still working in the comic shop. And I don't think anybody had that on their pull list. And I'm like, this book looks really good. And they did a bunch of different noir things. And they were only, I think, four issues for each character. And it was great to see it get so much love. And um, and it was Nicolas Cage who voiced it, which was perfect. Um, it's just, it, it, it worked really well. I don't know. It worked well. And it was just so funny because he was black and white and like everything, everything around was such brilliant color, such vivid colors in that movie. I will say if you are prone to migraines or seizures, that might not be a movie you can sit through. Probably not. No, a lot of colors spinning around. (laughs) Yes. Yes. um, (laughs) For sure. Uh, So, but I haven't read, you know, those mainstream books in a long time. I didn't know like if, uh, if comics were a part of your reading stash? Oh, definitely not. I am not a comic book reader. It's the only reason I was brought into this world is because of my husband, Brian Brady. Just throwing it out there. Throw that out there. Help promote him. He is, um, I mean, he's like, he creates his own, he's a creator as well. So he writes, uh, he writes, draws, inks his own, comic books um and he he's the creator of the vault and anomaly um and his his work is out there so you can check it out at www.camdencomics.com and i mean he introduced me to his world and it's really great because i had no idea there was such a thing i had no idea there was comic uh, there's a comic con and so oh, yeah. people were into this world. And he told me that growing up, it wasn't like a thing. It wasn't something as popular as much as it is today where everyone's involved and everyone's interested. And if I ever have any questions about anything, comic books related, any characters, he just somehow knows all of it. He's like my dictionary, the source, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> friend's book. He just knows all these things. And I guess you have to if you're like you know making your own comic books um but i don't know it 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 just sounds like it's something that would take years and a whole lifetime to accumulate because there's just so much out there like i remember going into a comic book shop with him and i was just literally overwhelmed like i didn't even know where to start don't know what i was doing here um and I still, like, am overwhelmed with it. Like, I try to read some things here and there, but it's, like, I think I'm more of, like, a movie person or a show person. Like, I need to see it mm-hmm. in action, and that's what I appreciate. I, I have to read his stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, you have to be able to yeah. sell it. So it's, yeah, I have yeah. to, like, read it and, like, understand it. And um, But it's really – it's still really good, and it kind of helps – it helps me because, um, I don't know, it's it's like a motivation, you know? Like, you see someone else just self-publishing, and then you're like, huh, you know, maybe I can do that too, just in a different way, or somehow maybe we could work together. 
I don't know. Everyone has a story to tell, right? So um, I want to do that too. But I'm still trying to figure out, you know, where I'm at with all of that, like what genre and how and what's the best way for me to communicate to the world, you know? For him, it's definitely comic books. But for me, I don't know. Maybe it's just words on a page. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be novels. And that's, and you know, that's one of the reasons that I, that I went into making, um, I mean, I always liked writing and I did have a couple novel drafts, like, you know, in my earlier days, but, um, because comics, because I'm not somebody like your husband who can do it all, do every task. It's like to just be a comics writer you and not have a team. It is hard. It's really hard. So that's when I started just taking my stories and I'm like, you know, instead of writing a script, let me just, let me just pound this out into something like short, a short story or a novel. Um, But I I, want to get back to comics. I do. Yeah, but even that, though, just being able to sit down and just knock it out, you know, writing so much and just, it's like, I can't even do that. Like, how do you just sit down and just write, like, 10,000 words? (laughs) It's It's like, where does it come from? Like, do you just grab it out of the air? Like, I, I need to outline. So that's kind of a lot of, I don't know. Sometimes it's just, it hits me with um, characters first and other people are more brilliant and they get their plot first. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you outline? Like, do you already know how you want it to, uh, how you want the story to happen and you're outlining it? Or do you just kind of I don't know. I've, I've gotten better <laughs> about that because um, I need to know what direction I'm heading. Because if I I find that what can happen, and I think this is pretty common, is I'll just start going off on a tangent. And it's like, but don't forget that in the end, the character needs to be in this place in this time and doing this thing. And it's not going to happen if you're, you know, you wandered off for, you know, I don't know, 50 pages. (laughs) So I am a person who really needs the structure. I need, I really need to follow story structure. Um, I'm amazed that people who don't. So I started using Scrivener um, because of National Novel Writing Month. Um, I, at first, when I heard of National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo, I thought, this is preposterous. You can't write 50,000 words in a month, especially the month of November when there's, you know, long Thanksgiving holiday. And then I tried it and I was able to do it, but I always say I was able to do it because I have unconventional um, freelance jobs. I don't have a nine to five or nine to, you know, nine to nine, like they kind of expect you to have these days. So it's because I have had the time. And, um, and in Scrivener, I, you know, it's the, it's just a digital version of having post-its or index cards, you know, like people would stick up and, and write their little plot things or their little scene breakdowns on index cards or something and lay them out on a board. Mm-hmm. Um, so Scrivener just has like a fake version of that 
on its <laughs> screen <laughs> and you can drag them around and move them around and edit them and stuff. So, so that's what I use as my outlines now. And then I just build each scene from those little um, fake index cards, if you will. So like, I'm new to this. Well, I'm not new, new to this. Like I didn't just start yesterday trying to write. Like I did, I started a year ago. Um, I said, I want to write. And then I joined this like memoir writing uh, course with a friend. And um, like memoir writing is hard. <laughs> it's, I mean, not that I've, you know, written anything else, but it just seems like it's something that's a lot harder because you're writing about your life. Like, do I really want to put yes all this truth out there for yes. people to read? It's not something fictional. It's like, this is my life. Do I really want people to know this? So it's like a struggle every day. And um, I was reading, there was like some recommended readings and I've read other people's memoirs and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like, that's really hard. Like, how can you write something so personal and put it out there? And what if like your memories aren't even reliable? Like, is this, you know, that's possible. Those, yeah. Are those events like, did they really happen or you just made it up or you just kind of filling in the blanks? Like it was a struggle. And I, you know, to this day, I only have like, I don't know. I, I have written different things um, that's going towards a memoir, but I feel like I'm going to be like 80 by the time I finish because <laughs> I, I feel like there's like some lessons that I'm still trying to learn in order to complete this memoir. So um, aside from writing that, I also started writing like something else that's completely different. That's more along the lines of like, fictional fantasy mm -hmm. so it kind of it kind of balances me out because sometimes I get too emotional writing memoir where I'm just like somehow writing and then like I break down in tears <laughs> yeah uh, memoir writing is very emotional yeah, so then I'm like okay I can't take this anymore I gotta stop so then you know I go do something else that's more fun and of course you know I try to read up on like a you know, different methods of writing and how to just getting my butt to sit down mm -hmm. and actually write, which I find is the hardest thing to do is just committing to just sitting down and start writing, even if there's nothing in your brain and you're staring at a blank screen. And um, some days are good and some days are terrible. Like some days I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I don't know where all these ideas are coming from. But other days, it's like, I don't want to do this. There's nothing coming in. And um, I just, like, do laundry. Yeah. No, I, 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 I've said that before. I said, you, I said, you can tell when I have one of those writing days and my bathroom is spotless. It's like, because it's, I'll sit here and it's like, okay, well, let me just check my email one more time, even though I checked it already. And then it's like... All right, stare at that screen, look at that character and go, yeah, you know what? I really need to go clean the bathroom, you know? And <laughs> yeah, I need to go watch the show. And I need, yeah, exactly. Like, maybe I need to 
some inspiration and I'll go, um, you know, watch some whatever murder mystery show or something. And it's, you know, and sometimes, and, and if you do that with mindfulness though, I can tell you that it, it can actually, it can help because, um, one time I, I sat and analyzed, I think it was an episode of psych mm-hmm. where I, and this is something that, that a that TV writer would, would do a screen, you know, or if you were in screenwriting class, like what the opening scene is, mm-hmm. then they, you know, then they have a break or the titles and then they, you know, come back and what happens like beat by beat. And it's like, okay, it goes, you know, there's two scenes, then there's another break, then there's this scene, you know, about the the B plot. And, you know, we get to see what those characters are doing, and then another commercial. And, and it just, it, it sort of got me into that frame set of, um, I need to, I need to think of that, but on a bigger spectrum, like, um, you know, don't forget about my secondary characters. And right now, it, the story that I'm working on, I'm actually stuck in my secondary characters. And I'm like, I really got to get back to my main character. It's been like, you know, 5,000 words and I haven't mentioned her. <laughs> yeah, it's really crazy where like you feel like you need inspiration and like, okay, so I ended up watching Shannara Chronicles. Okay. And then I ended up binge watching it yeah as part of my creative process research yeah. I just totally I totally do yeah because <laughs> I was like oh this is kind of like what I want to do and I just need to watch this whole thing and absorb as much as possible somehow and it's really crazy because like um you know how you said that you need to have an outline yeah me I just write just free write and whatever happens happens kind of like I put myself in the book and I'm just finding out about things as well as it happens like as if I'm one of the characters and I'm watching this and I have no idea what's going to happen next until the next word shows up or the next scene shows up and this is what happens and like the person that I thought was going to be the main character sort of became like like she just wasn't <laughs> yeah and I'm like oh my goodness I need to figure this out and and it's really weird and it does like a has like a weird psychological effect because I feel like I, I'm the main character and even though I'm writing her I don't know who she is and then like I have a moment of epiphany and I'm like oh my god I don't know who I am and I have to go on this journey and figure this out so it's like a psychological journey but fantasy journey that I'm inventing Mm -hmm. and it gets really weird and then I go into like a weird like (laughs) a weird place and I'm stuck and then I have to sit and stare out the window and think about this (laughs) and that's yeah that's exactly what I where I've been for the last week because I was even being good after NaNoWriMo I was putting little weekly updates about where my story was I'm like okay you know what I'm stuck so let me work on the cat stories. So all last week I was working on cat stories because they go out weekly. So I want to make sure that that's a deliverable no matter what mm-hmm. um, for the, you know, for the backers. So, and the cat stories are only anywhere, like they're less than 2000 words. So it's, 
they're goofy and ridiculous. And because they're semi-fiction, it's like, yes, this is really us. And we're really out on this, you know, on the mountain or just in the backyard, whatever we're doing. And, you know, exploring the world. And I try to make it exploring the world through the cat's perspective. And after, you know, it's like I needed that that break, I think, of mm-hmm. from the novel to just be in my loose, you know, loosey-goosey world of cats where, you know, like they're, it wasn't a huge thing. Like I didn't have to come to an ending at any point. It's like, well, this is what we found and this is what we did today. And I have no idea, you know, what this little thing we found in the dirt means. But, you know, it's just, that's my like freedom outlet. So I so at least I got a few of those done while I've been in this whole stuck place with uh you know with this bigger story. I've actually um well one of the books that I read last year was uh Stephen King's book on writing, so it's his mm-hmm. memoir. Yeah, I have I've I've had that. Yeah, and <laughs> Sometimes, like I like Stephen King, and and sometimes I I don't know because he does this thing in his in his books, like like all of his books. Not that I've read all of them, but like a lot of them, where he like describes everything and he does like flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how are you? How do you write like 500 pages of this? You know. And so I had to know, and that's why I purchased his memoir on writing. Mm-hmm. and it was I mean you know I got an insight into his life you know, into his childhood yeah I think I think the parts about his life were really amazing like right up until he's you know he sold Carrie that was like his big break mm-hmm. and like the struggle but, and yeah. just him even though he was working and trying to make ends meet and still somehow made time to write and I think I was more impressed and and amazed at the fact that he just kept writing and kept submitting and being rejected and it was okay. Yeah. And, and it's like, and I do think it's a different world. So I don't think a lot of the advice of of everybody is going to be applicable, you know, in the in the same way. Um like there are people who say never use flashbacks or whatever and it's like, well that's a load of crap, you know. Um, whatever works for you and whatever yeah like certain things are just gonna work and (laughs) you know and it's really crazy because like as much as people write about writing and and things at the end of the day it just seems like there are no rules because it's your story and you write it however you want it to you know right write it and that's just how it is but you know there are some things like everyone can I guess agree on is like grammar (laughs) and even that is questionable because there's you can you can get beat up people people beat up on grammar all the time the um oh god el james i haven't read the 50 shades trilogy but i've read enough excerpts to say this is crappy awful writing but she's allowed to be a crappy awful billionaire so (laughs) Um, you know, she's probably a lovely woman. I, I mean, you know, just, you know, as a person, but I mean, to me, her writing was atrocious. So, um, that's why they have editors. 
So you would think, yeah, you would think that there would that that there would be editors involved. And I think once somebody hits success, then you know whatever it's it just kind of doesn't matter. Then they just want the next book out there and on the shelf as soon as possible to make another billion. Um, but the thing is, it's like you know, try I guess to have make sure the words are spelled correctly. I guess and it's that's important. But right. but nowadays, I feel like. Like self-publishing is the it thing, yeah. Right now, and I feel like everyone is doing it. Like, yeah, and part of that is because of how publishing as an industry changed so much. I mean, they just, you know, five companies gobbled up every other company. Sort of the same thing as you know pharmaceuticals. Like, there's, it's, there aren't a whole bunch of publishing houses anymore, and now you need an agent to even submit to those publishers. So, you know, these, it could take forever. It could take so damn long to get something out. And I'm the kind of writer where I'm just like, I want my book out there. I will, I'll query for a, you know, for a year and that's it. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm excited about self-publishing and it's not like, it's not a new concept. Um, and I've learned from reading memoirs and learning about other memoirists that it can be possible that it can work out like with especially with social media these days like you see people making their own comic strips and posting it on Instagram and you know if you get enough followers and whatever then all of a sudden you can be published by you know one of those big publishing companies and it just takes, you know, a lot of work on your end, but that's still inspiring. And um, I have, okay, so I was into memoirs for a little bit, and I heard about Angela's Ashes, a memoir written by Frank McCourt. He's an Irish-American. And I think, um, from what I understand, and don't quote me on this, he, he self-published as well. And he was just, you know, he was a teacher, and he was... He felt like, you know, publishing his own book and he passed it out. He wasn't like, you know, published by any big names, but people caught wind of it and, you know, it worked out for him. And he didn't have like, you know, Amazon and <laughs> social media helping him out. It was just like, oh, I'm gonna try this. okay. So it was like just by word of mouth. And then he got popular and became big and I think it it worked then and it can still work now. It just depends on your storytelling and if people want to read it, hear it. And we have so much more help these days. We have like um, we have podcasting, we have um, just social media, Instagram, and we can go to cons. We can find our own printer companies and publish it ourselves. There's so much out there that it's like. You know, the only thing that as an author or writer, that all you have to do is sit down and just write. And that is the hardest thing. <laughs> it's, you know, I, and I love memoirs, too. So I'm, I, I'm kind of tickled that that's what you said um, your interest is in. Last year, I think I only read two. Um, I know I read, I read Lindy West's book, Shrill. And um, Roxanne Gay's Hunger, which I forgot to put on my Goodreads list, but I know I read it. <laughs> um, 
And it's, I find them so empowering when you, in particular, like a great feminist book, like, you know, these are, they're people who are so different and they come from completely different backgrounds and their goals in life were different. And I just love it. Like I, um, had had one of Ron Perlman's books because I believe he's got a couple different memoirs out and it was you know the same thing as Stephen King like you know poor as can be and um maybe not as poor as Stephen King because he he was really at the bottom (laughs) there and um and uh, you know but just his life and I, it's just so interesting. And it's like, how did you get from, from here to community theater to, you know, being in these roles with, you know, Marlon Brando or whatever, you know, it's just interesting. Um, and it, it wasn't something that I necessarily thought, Oh, I'm just going to sit down and, and get into this book. But it, the stories, they, they're Ron Perlman, for example, he's, so eloquent his just listening to him because it was an audiobook version that I had so listening to his own voice and all the different pronunciations um because he he did films like in France and um or with like a French director and stuff so it was like he he delivered his own words so amazingly well and I, I absolutely love if you can get the audiobook version of something. Um, I think the year before I read Felicia Day's book about being weird on the internet. <laughs> um, and I love uh, Jenny Lawson, um, The Blogass. So she has two books out. The first one I liked a lot better. Um, and it's all about her incredibly weird, just weird ass life, <laughs> you know, like growing up with like in this podunk town, like, you know, population 12 or whatever it was and raccoons running through the school and her dad being into taxidermy and making like weird taxidermy shit. And so it's like, you know, they're so there's just a sweetness to some of yeah, them. I, I really I feel like my heroes are memoirists because it's like they're I feel like they're more normal to me and it makes me feel like even though they have like some of them have like horrible childhoods and all that stuff but it Mm -hmm. makes you feel like you know it's okay because everyone has like a weird childhood or something happened in their life early on and it's okay and you can overcome them like I read and I was listening like to an audio version of um coming clean and it's written by Kimberly Ray Miller. So uh, this book is about, like, the family secret is, like, that her parents are hoarders. And I'm like, wow, like, I would never think that to write something like that. Like, because you, it's like you feel like you don't want people to know this. But at the same time, maybe it's going to help someone. And- exactly. And I know there's controversy about it now. Like, um, you know, like especially if the people are still alive and it's like oh Mm -hmm. do you have do you have permission Mm -hmm. to tell their story as well because it's never just your story and um the people were talking about it on twitter yesterday about um mentioning their kids and stuff and they're like you know my kid doesn't have their own agency yet to say whether they want 
need to talk about them online, so I'm just not going to. And it's like, okay, cool, I respect that. But on the other hand, if your kid does hilarious, stupid shit, it's funny and it's relatable. Yeah, I mean, if it's something like that, I think that's okay. But if it's like, um, I guess if something awful happened to your kid, then maybe. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. It And it is, and it's a different, um, it, but it, it weighs differently. Mm-hmm. You know, like the um, the parents whose kids get, unfortunately, murdered right in school or in yeah. church, you know, they they take it to the streets and they make it their life's mission at that point to tell that story. Um, and and that is for different reasons than, oh, I just have a story to tell that is, you know, absolutely to change policy. Mm-hmm. I question. This is relevant, I promise. Have you seen Netflix's The Haunting of Hill House? No, because I was told I would be too scared. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> not to spoil anything, but um the main like one of the characters, uh, he is an author and he wrote about his family's experience at the Hill House. And um uh-huh. That was one of the um, the issues that they were facing because he wrote about the Hill House and their family's experience, and like the family was like uh, Pissed, angry. Yeah. <laughs> some of them weren't very supportive, and some didn't care, and uh, and that's like that, and that's very relevant and relatable to anyone trying to write about their own lives because. I think about that all the time. and Right. Well, and we do that even, uh, you know, either consciously or unconscious, consciously with fictional characters. We, you, you know, you know that there's, you know, so-and-so ex-boyfriend is going to be popping up in this character who's a, you know, piece of crap at some point. You know, <laughs> it's like, it just, it happens even in fiction and sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like how would, okay, so... Like, how would you feel if someone you know, wrote about you? You know, would you be ecstatic about it? Like, oh my gosh, like, I... <laughs> well, I've been, yeah, let me put it this way. I've been fortunate in that any time somebody's written about me, it's been for blogs and newspapers, and it's always been really positive. So if somebody, and I, and I kind of went through this yeah. with um, my little short memoir, um, writing about my ex and uh, you know I gave it to her it it just with full honesty and just said look I you know I know you have a side of this but this is my side and I just want you to have this so that if anybody questions you 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 know you're prepared and she's like yep that's not how I remember it but you know or you know she was just like okay you wrote it and I'm like all right so it was so if somebody were to write something about me, I, yeah, I mean, some stuff you have to take with a grain of salt oh. and just say that's not my side of the story, which unfortunately is what a lot of the internet is these days. Yeah. But you wow. Know, like, like, that's yeah. really awesome that you were able to do that. That must have taken, like, it, for me, I'm like, that would have probably a- taken me years to even say hey read this this is what I wrote <laughs> yeah and I you know and I did that even with a friend whose book I reviewed because 
I was like, dude, I love you. I love you so much. And I love the rest of your work. I'm like, but this book didn't work for me. And do you want me to give you the review before I post it? And he's like, no, I'm a big boy. You can post it. And I like tore the shit out of this one book. <laughs> and I'm like, well, he said I could post it. So, <laughs> and I couldn't wait because then the next book was amazingly brilliant. And I was like, oh my God, this book is the best. That's good. I think I, I feel like, um, you know, some criticism, you know, is, you know, are necessary and it helps someone grows like a person. It is so I, hard. I, it's yeah. I really, so what hard. I really don't appreciate is like constant positivity for no reason. Like, okay, well, you know, you're very, it's like, you're very positive and very encouraging, but is this really helping me? <laughs> like, like yeah. And there something. are ways, there are great, um, uh, great editors who can help you like uh, with comics experience. If I, I got lucky one month, what they did was they like every month they picked a script and one of the professional editors would go over it and then give their honest feedback. And Nicole Boos um, got my script the one month and I was just, it was so exciting to see the things that she picked out that, didn't work for her and how to make it better because it was framed like constructively, even though it's like, okay, we're, we're, you know, we're talking about things that don't work, but her advice was so beautifully said that, uh, you know, it made all the difference. That's, I mean, that's great. Like, I feel like if I got criticized, I don't know how I would take it. Like, would I just like tear up and then fall up in a corner and cry a little bit and then accept it or oh, <laughs> yeah yeah no of course you will I mean it's uh, I don't know it's you know it's gonna yeah. happen it is and oh and I forgot there's one other memoir that I read that talk about emotional um it was written by Colleen Cardinal um and I cannot pronounce the Cree language title of it but what it means is raised somewhere else mm-hmm. um and she was a product of what's called the 60s scoop in Canada where um which in the U.S. our native population went through the very same thing where the government basically like takes you takes the kids away like out of their homes because they'll say your parents are abusive and whether they're abusive or not is is one issue it's like okay well you know where are the social services that are actually going to improve the situation instead they just took kids away and they went to these resident homes which were appalling (laughs) and then they got put in these foster homes where which were just as abusive and you know these girls getting molested and raped constantly and this so it was like this memoir it was it was this journey from her young age, like in her teens. And she just, like you're saying, it might take you till you're 80. Well, it might. She started writing this stuff down and just knew that someday it was going to be important to say. So when she finally got to this place in middle age where she was, you know, seeking, you know, she got healthy and, and got, got therapy from her actual people, like finding, finding her the closest thing to her tribe and you know getting more education and getting more experience like her mission in life was then to help other people 
And you can see in her writing how how it ages, how she grows as a person, like the just in the language and the grammar, like like we were saying, it's like, oh, you can be particular about grammar. It's like, okay, but when you're 18 and you're writing something, you are going to sound different mm-hmm. than when you're 40 and you're writing mm-hmm. something. And you can see that in this this book. So um, that is on my list of my uh, my 2018 favorite things, if anybody's looking on the blog, um, because I have the full proper title there. But um, like I said, the English translation is raised somewhere else so uh, you know it was that one was a hard one to get through because chapter after chapter was you know this man beating the crap out of her and just the abuse and the drugs and the the alcohol and everything and then it was like and then having another kid and having another kid and it was just like wow it sounds like (laughs) an emotional roller coaster and might take me a while to get through (laughs) It it was, and that was the thing. It's like you finally, until you get to the end, it's like, oh God, there's finally a a, a light in her life. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you mentioned like how like your grammar changes through time and you grow through time, and and like because like for me like the one of the struggles I have is is grammar, but I can't think about that. Like I need to just get it down first and. Yeah, no, that's for editing. That's later. But for me, it's like language and Mm -hmm. usage of it. And because, like, I have, um, I do speak other languages. I I speak Cambodian and Vietnamese um, pretty much the way, like, Spanglish is spoken, a mixture. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. I speak Cambodian and Vietnamese and English, like, all of it. And, like, trying to write down anything is like it takes a lot of time and energy because I'm trying to communicate in a way that you know that everyone can understand and I'm not like I don't want there to be any misunderstanding with what I'm getting across but at the same time I get that people will perceive whatever they want whatever's in their mind and Mm -hmm. I'm just trying because like you know, you grow, you grow up reading all these books written by other people. And then I, I realized that I am the same but different from other people at the same time. Like, yes, I'm human. I'm a human being. But my experiences are different, just like everyone else's experience. They're different wherever you go, whoever you speak to. Everyone has a different story. And, like, growing up being Cambodian, Vietnamese, an American, it was, it was a struggle. And I try to, now I like, I try to look for those authors who have had the same experience or something similar. And I try to identify with, and it's, it's been kind of hard because like every now and then I pick up on some books that maybe I can relate to them. So one of the memoirs that I um, picked up was, uh, it's called The Best We Could Do. And it's an illustrated memoir. So it's like a graphic novel written by T. Bui. And um, so it's just, 
it's about like a family's journey. It says like it's a family's journey. It's like about war torn Vietnam and just go like living in America. Okay. Yeah. So okay. So like my um my parents they 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 were refugees. So growing up was very different, and I was you know I was yearning to look for and connect with someone who's had similar experiences with parents that were refugees and just growing up under them. And I think, um, I don't think that it was available to me learning about those experiences from other people. I'm sure it's been written about before. I'm sure there's been like other refugees, you know, in the past, you know, that occurred I mean, that came over from other countries, but um, I needed to see and read about someone who's who's come from Vietnam or Cambodia and tried to grow up in America and figure life out because it's like, you know, I'm first generation, like, born in America and I'm trying to you know, being American, like, I mean, I am an American, but at the same time, I have, you know, family still that I know of and have visited in Vietnam and just growing up in two different cultures. It's hard because, like, I cannot relate with my parents. I can only relate with other, like, children raised by refugees and and I couldn't find a book <laughs> about it, and I felt compelled to uh, write about it. And that's something that I want to um, take on. So maybe it'll help someone else that is in, you know, that's in like a similar situation. And I do want to also like touch on possible, like, like undiagnosed PTSD. Because, you know, none of my family members, like my grandmother, my parents, no one talks about it. No one gets, like, diagnosed by it. No one goes to see a counselor about it because that's just not something that they do. Because maybe they don't know about mental health or maybe because they don't have time for that. And it's more important to just work and raise your family and, you know kind of put your own personal issues aside because what's more important is like making it in America and raising your children so that you can, I don't know, like just make sure that your life here and just the, the fam- like our family's life is in a better place than they were. And, and, and I think that's important that you bring it up because of how whitewashed publishing is regardless of yeah you have bestsellers like Roxanne Gay but overall um, you're still going to find that publishing in the really white world Um, and and then like you said even hearing about it or knowing about it you have well what did your school libraries carry what did your teachers make you read or even if you got to choose your own book you know how you know, if your libraries didn't have those things or, or then you were still stuck with, you know, okay, well, I, you know, maybe you could read about Anne Frank 
well, you know, you could yeah. read about Anne Frank or something, but it's still not, not exactly what you were looking for. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like I know, like, you know, I read about other people. I, and in school you're, you know, assigned certain things and like I've read the color purple and, you know, I know about the genocide, like with like the Jewish, like the Holocaust and everything. And it's like, well, there's not much else that I can relate with personally. And I think it was because it was still new at that time growing up. It was still new, like, because when my parents came to America, they, it was like the eighties or the late eighties. So, and it's like, they can't, they, the language, there's the language barrier, you know? So even if they wanted to, they wouldn't be able to communicate it as well for everyone to understand. But, but growing up, I've like I've encountered people who have been able to uh, get it in a book form, uh, and I need to find it. But you know, I also don't want um, everyone to think when they think of the word Vietnam or Cambodia, like it's always a story of being war torn, like just war torn stories and nothing else. I want to also show that, yes, that happened, that's in the past, but I want to show what it's like growing up after that, you know, what what's it like for me not having been born in Vietnam or Cambodia, just growing up, being an American and trying to just navigate life and I think that's like a different I think a different generation a different voice because like every time like I go looking for books there's like always like books about the war and people who came over as a result of the war um uh like I read first day I think it's called Angelina Jolie like made this movie like first they killed my father it was oh, like right yeah 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 so it's like all right so yes that happened but can we now talk about the generation that came after that like growing up in that so you like, need yeah that, you need like a a um Cambodia version of Joy Luck Club <laughs> yes a Cambodian version of Joy Luck Club and, and I and I read that too because that was like one of the assignments like in school uh-huh. reading about it but I feel like well things are now different <laughs> yes totally we need a new we need a newer and different and you do because I mean now I mean just our political landscape now it's the you know the bans from certain countries and nobody can get a visa and but you know why can you know somebody from Ireland get a visa and it's just it's there's also deportations that heard like yeah like there's and even if you have legitimate paperwork they're not recognizing your paperwork like it's and yeah and it's scary for me to think that even though I have a birth certificate it may be a possibility that I could be sent (laughs) back to a country I wasn't born in because my parents were from there you know it's like why is that even a possibility when I was born here you know and it's scary 
And it, it absolutely is scary. And, and it's, you know, I have sympathy for you because I, I can't imagine what that's like. And, um, you know, and the news every day just seems worse and worse. So we hopefully, hopefully now with a, a new Congress, hopefully things will change a little bit or at least not be so freaking awful. Yeah. So like just, just trying to organize all of the events and think about growing up and trying to portray it in a way that, um, you know, everyone can relate with and under just come to an understanding. It's like, I just want to communicate it. And I don't want to say that I'm trying to represent an entire generation or the, to be the voice of an entire generation. I just want to like be a voice <laughs> and that's but that's it. I mean, there are so many stories and everybody's going to be different because I mean, you know, there's a story out there for somebody who's transgender and with parents who are refugees from, you know, then and somebody who's gay and somebody, you know, like there's there's always going to be differences in in people's stories. And you know, just because one memoir was written doesn't mean you know it doesn't mean that there's no nothing left to tell yeah there's just there's just so much out there and uh I, I mean I could go on for like hours and hours just talking about all the different struggles but you know I guess I need to just put that in book form <laughs> yeah and and you should and I'm and I hope that you find the right encouragement whether it's in you know like Facebook communities or if you live in a place where you actually have, um, you know, sp specific refugee, I don't know, groups that, that can get together or something you to like get that. this book written in the time that it takes to be written and then take it from there. I feel like I need to be more active in looking, but maybe, I don't know why. I don't know. I feel like... I don't know why I feel like I have to keep this to myself and write it down first and I should get out there <laughs> and just talk about it or if there isn't a community create one but yeah, I'm just exactly I'm just worried of the internet you know like when you put stuff out there it stays out there forever and what if like what I'm saying today isn't how like I wouldn't feel the same way tomorrow you know but yeah, that's understandable. But sometimes you just have to, you do have to take the leap and and say that you're, you know, you're looking for something and you're looking for that support. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Let's, you know, let's, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, our lives are on the internet. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's just going to be really hard. Yeah. But, you know, on this, on that note, so before I let you go, um, where can people reach out to you on the internet so that maybe if they have questions or, or just want to stay in touch? Well, um, I can be reached on Instagram and let's see. <laughs> I just want to make sure I have this right. I am on Instagram as I am Bidar. So it's I underscore A-M underscore B-D-A-R. 
and or it can be emailed. I don't know if that's something you do, but <laughs> but it's uh, if yeah, I mean if people can find you on Instagram, then they can they can track you down that way. Unless you wanted to give your email out. Yeah, I think my email. I like emailing. It's a uh, my email is uh, b r e n z a r dot l i e u r at gmail dot com. And um, I'm I'm very responsive. So if anyone is interested in reaching out to me just to talk and have a conversation, um, I'm very open to it. I would love to connect with anyone else that's in a similar situation because I think I need to be surrounded by as much supportive people as possible. It, it'll be very encouraging. Maybe it'll help me like publish my book faster. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be great. Um, so any closing thoughts? Any like uh, we were talking about movies and TV shows and stuff. Anything have your attention right now before uh, that you want to mention before we go? Um, well, uh, I want to make a recommendation. <laughs> sure. I think everyone should watch Crazy Rich Asians. Okay. <laughs> and what is that? Is that on Netflix now? Uh, it's, or? it's on it's on DVD now. It was in theaters, but now it's, okay. like, it's on DVD. And I think it's just like a fun, it's just a fun like rom-com type of movie. It's definitely not like the Joy Luck Club, but it does touch on like the struggle of uh, being like Asian American, but not being Asian enough and not being <laughs> just, right. just, I mean, I think anyone with, who's in my situation, I think anyone who's in my situation can understand, like, you know, even though you are Asian, there's like some other group of Asians that are like, you're not Asian enough or you're not real. And it, I think it's, it's good. It's a good start, but it's also fun and it's hilarious. And, everyone can relate I mean, if you you know have ever like tried to you know, if you've ever been in a relationship where like there's uh you know like a possible like monster-in-law you think is going to be a monster-in-law you know? <laughs> like, you know, if you if you ever get in a relationship and you you're not like really getting along with the significant other's mother or her father it's, it's like you know, anyone can relate with that. So it kind of, it kind of um, shows that, yes, we are a little bit different, but we're also all human and face some similar, uh, just similar issues, just worldly issues. All right. That's good. I will have to look for that as well. I know I saw like a billion people tweeting about it, about how it was so great. And I just didn't even know where it was. <laughs> um, so Crazy Rich Asians, good recommendation. Yes, it's um, really great. It's really hilarious. You should watch it and then let me know what you think of it. I will. I will. I will have to add that and, like I said, track it down. Um, Yes. I hope you again, that. but that's okay. As <laughs> <laughs> telling us, our time is up. So, um, thank you so much, Brendar, for your time. This uh, that was Brendar Brady. If you didn't uh, quite catch her name in the beginning, 
And uh, you'll probably see her maybe around some New Jersey Comic Cons with Brian Brady. Ryan Brady. Ryan. Oh, I totally got it wrong. Ryan Brady. (laughs) And um, yeah. And so then you can follow me. Every day, there's usually at least cat pictures on Instagram at Amber Unmasked and little vignettes about the stories. And then Twitter is lots of political stuff at Elizabeth Amber on Twitter. Um, And then go to Patreon and just uh, support my work. So that way these goobers can, um, you know, stay flush and catnip at uh, patreon.com slash amber unmasked so thank you brenda for joining me and, and thank you everyone for listening thank you for having me and uh, i'll see you around for once. absolutely